The Very Serious Crafts Podcast is now on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash seriouscrafts to support our podcast and get early access to episodes. Find out about our unfiltered Patreon-only off-week episodes and more. You're listening to the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. We're very serious crafters. And we craft very serious crafts. Very serious. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 19 of the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. I'm Molly from Wild Olive, and apparently I'm very enthusiastic today. (laughs) Huzzah! I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors, and I am deeply underslept. Uh, And I'm Heidi from Hands Occupied, and today we'll be talking about pumpkin sweaters, making linen, and volunteerism crafting. Not hamster sweaters, though. No. Um, I have not yet found a hamster sweater knitting charity, but I suppose if one was going to exist, it would be my duty (laughs) to found it. (laughs) (laughs) to establish it (laughs) I'm actually I'm picturing like a hamster in like a tiny little knit pumpkin that it just like sits in it would be super cute no since it's a hamster it would be a little gourd oh (laughs) it's decorative gourd oh wait I can't say the rest of that (sighs) yay Um, that's so cute yeah (laughs) If, if people are confused about hamster sweaters uh, I believe there's an episode with hamster sweater in the title that you should go listen to. I think yes. it's episode two. Oh, two. Yeah. <laughs> episode two, I think. Of, yeah. of season one, yes. Yeah. I of mean, season one. This goes back, but it also makes appearances along the way because hamster sweaters <laughs> should always do that. They should always show up again and again. Sure. Yeah. And they do. They, they do um, in my life, anyway. Um, and oh speaking goodness. of things that show up again and again... Mm-hmm. I didn't want us to have an episode where there was any doubt about my personal um, Instagram addiction. It is uh-huh. real. I'm just owning it. Yeah. Admitting you have a problem is the first step. Yes. But I don't really see myself wanting to move past that. So anyway, <laughs> I actually <laughs> I actually went and I had coffee with a real person that I met on Instagram. This is not the first time that I've done this, but also, like, it meant that I left the house. Yeah. I was fully hey. dressed. I spoke in person with another human being, and that's just not something I do very often. Um, related to this, last week I went and got a haircut, and when I, like, walked out, like, getting ready to leave the house to go and get my haircut, my mom looks at me and she goes, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> like I don't know if that means if that's like good or if I've reached peak low in leaving the house anxiety (laughs) she was proud that I went to get a haircut I got a haircut last week too see it's it's the start of a trend great I'm getting one this week as well yay personal and then we'll all have the same hair I'm so proud of you guys yeah thanks I appreciate the support oh my goodness Uh, yeah so that. Oh, it's, although it's not quite the same if it isn't coming from Molly's mom. Yeah. <laughs> she's proud of you, too. I'm just going to assume she's proud. Oh, All yeah. Right. I would, yeah, I would assume enough. so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. So I thought that we were about to get a cameo from Mr. Big Stuff the Cat finally meowing. But he meowed up until I put my headphones on and plugged in the mic. 
And now he's back sleeping. Aww. But um, <laughs> I, I have never had him, and I've only had him for seven months, I think. Uh, I don't even know what month it is currently. <laughs> so. um, I actually don't. August. Mm-hmm. So eight months. Nine months? Uh, Whatever. Nine months. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, so... He has never shown particular interest in any of the crafts that I have done. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I was on a video chat with a bunch of people who meet once a month and teach each other a skill. Mm -hmm. And it was my turn, so I was teaching English paper piecing to a group of people. And these are people who, like teach entirely different things. Like, it isn't a crafting group. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so I was teaching a bunch of people English paper piecing who had not necessarily even sewn before. Mm -hmm. And so I am, like, doing all of the exaggerated hand movements of trying to show people how to do this thing, but on a camera on the internet. Um, without, like, a cut to Zoom or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so Mr. Big Stuff walks in, and I, I feel some eyes on me. And I look <laughs> down, and there's the cat watching with wide eyes every <laughs> movement of my hand. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh no. This does... This does not bode well for the cross-stitch book I'm writing. Uh, <laughs> this does not bode well. <laughs> oh, right, because he was not around for the last one. Yeah. No. <laughs> he wasn't. He, he missed it by two months. There you he go. Will, uh, he's going to enjoy this. Because, I mean, I understand, right? That, that motion can look, and especially with a little bit of thread, it very much looks like cat toy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but he's thing. never been interested. He's never even, like... He sleeps in my desk chair and has never tried to get onto my desk. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm like, all right. All right, cat, <laughs> here we go. But he was just, he was so excited. It was like he was discovering a paradise island or something. I don't know. Paradise well, island. It was like he was discovering food. <laughs> and Mr. Big Stuff. Yeah, he likes food. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, speaking of discovering crafts, um, uh-huh. <laughs> from your cat to my partner. <laughs> I, I like it. Um, so my, my dear husband, Ed, um, he was feeling a little down the other day. And he was I guess he must have just taken one look at me finally after 12 <laughs> years and said, you know, there might be something to all these crafts that Heidi's doing all the time. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason she does them all the time. I mean, he's he's actually not, like, a totally in, inattentive craft spouse at all. Like, he's amazing, but I'm right. glad to yeah. tease him a little bit. Um, because... Yes. That is your right. <laughs> because he um, decided when he was down this week to pull out um, this paper crafting kit he had that is Star Trek theme. <laughs> and so he spent, like... He sat down and spent 12 hours with an X-Acto knife cutting out this 3D paper sculpture to make the Star Trek Enterprise. And he was like, what kind of, um, 
like adhesive do you think would work? And it was really, really cute. Aww, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I now we it. have a very big, very paper Star Trek Enterprise on our mantelpiece. <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed. That has a lot of parts. Yeah, but I'm super yeah. here for it. So shout out to Ed for being yeah, awesome. Yeah, Ed. <laughs> And using crafts I, as a great mental health coping mechanism. Way to I go. I love that. Yeah. Huzzah. Huzzah. And also, he's just delightful. So, yeah, hooray for him anyway. I know. Yeah. My whole craft night, um, Ed knows this. Hey, Ed, I know you're listening. My whole craft <laughs> night um, has said that they are very jealous of my husband. So, I consider that, like, a huge compliment. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, does I, Ed have a brother? And I was like, he does, but he doesn't live here. Sorry, friends. Mm. <laughs> Alas. Alas. <clears throat> yeah, I only got to meet him for a few minutes, but he seemed yeah. so great. He's the best. Um, okay, so let's, we're going to jump into something that is like, this is a very serious craft here. Um, <laughs> it actually is. This is a very serious craft. Um, uh-huh. So when I embroider my favorite fabric to work with is linen like real linen fabric um i i was i saw something um someone was talking about robert kaufman's essex linen which is a linen and cotton blend um Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit sometimes easier to work with and that's fine i've worked with it it's great but like pure linen linen cotton blend yeah it's very it's really nice but also there's just something amazing about pure linen fabric amazingly wrinkled (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah it's also yes, amazingly like I shifty agree. and sometimes frustrating to work with but like it's so nice it's just so nice and it's really for me my favorite part is actually embroidering on it because once it's actually in the hoop and you're stitching maybe you've got a little stabilizer with it great but it just is like it's fantastic so not even realizing well maybe realizing that this is a love of mine youtube while i was looking at crochet videos, but YouTube presented me with a suggested video on how linen is made. Hmm. And the first one that it showed me is great because it was going back to how linen has traditionally been made, like going back hundreds of years. And it's from a, um, I believe it's in Ireland that they um, made this um, video. It's part of like a you know, like a visitor center, kind of a, a historical, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like reenactment museum, but exactly that yeah. kind of a thing. Um, so this, they have this older gentleman, and he starts by showing how they plant the flax. <gasps> cool. Yeah, and then they like, it, like they, <laughs> it's so weird. Um, they they start out um, like the video takes place over the season. Because they start planting the flax, they show as it's growing and how long it takes for it to grow, harvesting it, um, the process of... Wait, is this the Canadian one? No, this one is um, Irish. Oh, yeah. because I watched very similar okay. Canadian videos. Well, I'm going to need your link so we can compare. Uh, I'm going to assume, though, same method, because they grow it, they, they soak it, they dry it, and then they, like whip the the uh, stems of the plant on these little spikes. There, There's a whole thing. That's where you get, like, the, the threads of, well, not the threads, but the the pieces of the, lin- the flax plant that's ready for linen, and then mm-hmm. it can be spun. Cool. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm watching it going, 
you know, obviously this is a lot of work, but one could probably grow some linen in their yard or some flax in their yard and like try this out. Sure. That was instantly where I went. But I, <laughs> it didn't, I didn't like, I had to keep looking. So then I ended up on a video of how. Don't you need a bog though? Uh, don't you need an anaerobic environment for it to soak in? Uh, this one, they soaked it in um, basins of water. Huh. Yeah. Cool. I know. Um, I watched another one, and it was a modern Belgian linen, and they show mm-hmm. the fields being, you know, like where it's planted and harvested by machine. They actually leave their lin- the flax outside to do its soaking and processing with water that way, just from... Yeah rains and and that sort of thing but then they show bringing it into the factory and this is where it starts to get a little bit i've <laughs> i it was there was times when it was almost like ew i don't want to watch this yeah because the the strands of the flax you know the term flax and hair yeah yeah um the when it comes through and is processed it looks like, I mean, it looks like Rapunzel hair, like drizzling into bits. <gasps> drizzling, drizzling. It was, yeah, no, <laughs> it, was, it, looks, it, was, it looks so cool. It looks so cool, but also like, it really looks like hair, and that much hair was kind of freaking me out. Yeah, I'm like in a machine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's what it's like, flax and hair Exactly. From. Yeah, I, it has yeah. to. Oh, I'm sorry, did but I? She said, she, no, your, I, uh, she said I that a second that, but, ago. But, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine. But it's almost like, like soft serve ice cream coming out, but it's hair it's flax that looks like hair. <laughs> so and it little, does though. It's it's like creepy. Yeah, it's it's a little weird in that way, but mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> and then they show all of the machines because they are of course that they're weaving it and making this this company um, sells the linen fabric as well. Um, and I'm gonna put links to all of these in the show notes so you all can um, see it um, as well. Really, I mean the. The original method of it, although it takes time, is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Like, you could learn how to do this. Um, and I thought that was especially interesting. And then just to follow it up, I found another video of um, a woman who she showed how she hand spins linen into thread. Cool. And she just uses, um, like, a drop spindle. And yeah. she, watching her, someone else. I noticed this, and then I saw in the comments someone else said it. Watching her spin, it looked like she was playing a musical instrument. Yeah, it totally. looked like, I mean, it was like the linen thread air guitar, or like if a you will, or like a theremin or a harp. Yes, yeah, it was yeah. like it was so beautiful to watch. And I feel that way every time I see someone who's really excellent at working with a drop spindle do it. It's yeah. so elegant. Yeah, and it's it's so tiny. But she shows the whole process of taking that bundle of hair. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and she, you know, spreads it all out and creates um, so that it kind of um, overlaps with itself. And the strands are, you know, unlike with wool, each piece is shorter from a sheep. And then it just has to catch on to itself. Um, these pieces are quite long, you know, probably at least 18 inches long, if not mm-hmm. longer, because flax can grow to be, I think I saw like four feet tall. So they're longer pieces, and then the way that it, it um, grabs onto itself and, and spins and stuff, it was mesmerizing. And like, yeah, that is, 
that is serious craft there. And then really, when you think about what is what goes into making the supplies that we use on a regular basis, it's incredible. Yeah, totally. That sounds so beautiful. I'm I'm looking forward to watching those videos you talked about. Yeah, it was it was definitely a um, I was looking at I was like, I just spent all this time looking at all these things and what that was the not time wasted. That was the best best time I've spent. It was good. That's awesome. But it also really makes you think when you see all that goes into just making a thread, Mm -hmm. like how intensive making actual linen cloth is. Yes. Like, because there's so many threads. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And then that really, it it brings up um, people who were making linen cloth before we had machines. Yeah, dang. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Like, that was a big deal to have a piece of clothing. And of course you were going to make it last for as very long as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Definitely. I love that. That sounds magic. And that, my friends, is how how linen is made. It was. It was almost Mr. Rogers-like. It was like... (laughs) Wonderful. Oh, that was my favorite section of Mr. Rogers. Yes. Going to see how a thing was made. Crayons. Um, The crayons one. That's the famous one. So good. Um, So I actually have a weirdly similar thing to talk about um, that... I actually I hadn't looked at Molly's topic before I oh, that's was funny. thinking about this. So apparently we were reading each other's minds. <laughs> um, but I um, want to talk about flax too, and also spinning flax. But specifically um, in talking about antique laces and how when you see like a preserved piece of lace in a museum how it seems impossibly delicate and impossibly intricate and you just it's really hard to wrap your mind around how anybody worked with something that small Mm -hmm. and it turns out you can't anymore because the varieties of flax that existed in the 1700s or before that allowed for making such fine thread Mm -hmm. are extinct. They don't exist anymore. Wow. And so you truly can't get thread that fine. It, It just isn't there. And this is a thing that's come up many, many times in my bobbin lace guild and which is the brooklyn lace guild if you happen to be local um and so i remember discussing it and someone brought up a project where people were breeding trying to produce hybrid plants that would mimic the varieties um, because, like, the difference between, say, food flax and fiber flax mm-hmm. is the length of the fibers. Um, okay. Fiber flax is bred to have long fiber lengths, and um, food or industrial flax has short or shorter fabric lengths. And so 
flax is selected for a bunch of different qualities when you're considering how fine a fine as in good not fine as in small how fine a thread or a linen textile is going to be um they're like the length of the fiber matters how firm the fiber is matters but also how flexible that firm fiber is matters like it's an entire rabbit hole that I definitely went down and I will not take you along on all of the scientific studies that I read but um there is a a neat thing that is called back breeding which is basically just selecting crossbreeding different crops as an experiment, seeing what you get, and then taking the best of the new generation and breeding it with other things, trying to actually get the ideal, very fine, very um, very strong and flexible fibers. And so people are doing that there is um a guy named helmut becker hold on oh helmut becker is um had a career at nova scotia college of art and the university of calgary and the university of western ontario and as part of that he did research on um hand paper making fiber flax and hemp And so it was one of his uh, glossaries um, of, like, terms and illustrations for how flax is made um, is where I sort of took that deep dive and learned the differences between different kinds of flax and how different uses are prepared differently and how it looks if you do it by hand and how it looks if you do it in an industrial manner. And it was really interesting. Um, And as far as I can tell, it seems like the reason that the crop that created, or the variety that created that extremely fine, as in small, thread doesn't exist anymore is both lace falling out of fashion um, and that the advent of mechanical fiber processing can't do it that small and so it wasn't lucrative Um, okay this means that people not doing a particular craft actually caused the extinction of plants that means that everyone, Isn't that interesting? Everyone should always do all of the crafts so that we don't have any more of that going on. Yeah, and so I was really fascinated by all of the science and how the different traits were being bred for and who was doing it and where and why. And I found out that, and this isn't, I think, a surprise to most people, but the U.S. used to produce a lot of flax. And it doesn't anymore, pretty much at all. And it's it's very interesting to me. There are a few people who grow it, like Molly was saying, and 
produce it for their own use. Yeah. But most of the, like, if you want to spin flax, and you can buy flax just like you can buy um, wool roving. Right. Um, you can just order it, and it will come to you, and you can spin. But most of it is not coming locally if you're in the United States, hmm. which I thought was interesting. And there are so many different varieties that show up historically in so many different kinds of textiles and so many different parts of the world had so many varied and very specific types of flax thread made for different uses and different textile productions like in ancient Egypt and in China um, in very early days and so it's just it's very interesting how the progress of people or and like the industrial revolution sort of made it so you actually really can't make it like you used to mm-hmm. yeah. and so when a lot of people are like "Ugh, they just don't make them like they used to <laughs> you you literally can't mm-hmm. right now in uh in the current world of buying flax thread for lace making. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I will be, the, the lace world will rejoice if the ability to make thread that fine again ever exists. Because it's, I have seen um, historical lace up close at the Rati Textile Center at the Met. And I've looked at it under a microscope, and it is truly, truly amazing. That's and cool. thread finer than a hair. Mm-hmm. Like, wow! Yeah. It's like many times smaller. It would seem. Mm-hmm. So anyway, very th- cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and just thinking about the the the. The flax itself that's required for that, which is obviously where the, that what they're trying to recreate. But then to have the skill to to spin it that fine in itself is like mind blowing, honestly. So oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, I'm not my. sure. <clears throat> I do wonder if the varieties of flax required to make the fiber that would be required to make thread that small. I wonder if anyone now would have the skill to right. spin it that small. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that it could be developed if you were already a skilled spinner. Yeah. But that that actually is a really interesting point. Like, probably we don't know how to make it anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it, it was neat. And I will post a link to this glossary of flax terms which sounds like it's a totally boring uh, academic document. And it, it might be if you read it. <laughs> but it, it has, it's fully photographed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, so it shows every single part, including old tools. Yeah. Um, so like the hammers exactly. that would beat the flats I was and thinking things like that. When you when you pair that though with videos of people actually making it in the yeah. traditional method, it it all 
it all connects and then yeah. It, it yeah it comes alive because yes. I honestly watching watching just a short video of how that is done I was I I wanted to try it yeah you know so totally yeah. I felt that same way, but I also felt deeply, deeply intimidated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that um, the illustrated thing that I, I will post a link to is a truly ridiculously in-depth step-by-step look because it's a scientific document. Yeah. But it is, like, definitely watch a video and then look at the photos because then it will be very clear what's going on and you will be even more impressed. <laughs> so cool. Uh, well, what are you what are you breeding over there? <laughs> so yeah, that was a terrible segue. Are you taking scientific deep dives into flax agricultural production? Uh, oh, heck no. Well, she, she has something breeding at her knitting needles. Uh, yeah. So while we've been sitting here listening to my very smart friends, Molly and Haley, we very smart. Uh, that's just Haley. That's the very smart one. Oh, um, come now. Yeah. Oh, come now is the right response. <laughs> um, well, what, what, what I'm doing over here is I am knitting um, myself a pumpkin sweater because it's that's just something I felt like doing, you know? Wait, wait, explain. (laughs) Explain pumpkin sweater. I'm I'm very excited. Thank you for your curiosity, Haley. (laughs) (laughs) I am also sleep deprived, so (laughs) No, I'm genuinely really excited. Yeah. So I've been I mean, if you've ever listened to any of the junk I've rambled about on this podcast, it usually comes down to um making wanting to make clothes that fit. At least that's been my theme for season two, I think. Um and it's also been learning a lot about vintage crafting. Not like antique crafting like weaving flax out of hair or whatever these two were just talking about (laughs) you can weave lace out of hair it's really beautiful oh btw i think that um doing uh maybe an episode around halloween all about crafting with hair i really think we need to do that (laughs) i have so many resources i bet you do girlfriend i bet you do (laughs) okay i've seen hair lace in person I think I have two at like a museum, probably. Probably. But it probably didn't it's have the really deep emotional cool. impact on me that I'm sure it had on you. Well, I saw it not behind glass. I Ugh. saw it on a table. I'm in good front with of distance. Me. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. So back to anyway. back to pumpkin sweaters. <laughs> um, so yeah, right now I am I I have cast on a vintage style sweater. I'm really into this 1940s silhouette still after going on um, a vintage knitting retreat this spring. Um, So that's cool. And uh, I think that these silhouettes are ones that really flatter my body because I have very narrow shoulders. So I'm like leaning into... Oh, I think so too. It looks really... They look really good. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm doing that, but I want to experiment with a slightly different and slightly more like dramatic sleeve shape. Like maybe like a baby dolman sleeve that meets a raglan sleeve. So, like, think, like, Wait, is the, Art Deco, it, a little bit more volume in the shoulders, mm. armpit region. Is that the pumpkin part? No, no. The pumpkin part's just, I think, going to be just a jack-o'-lantern face on an intarsia on the torso, but I really want to pair it with kind of a Halloween-y sleeve, just for a fun 
chance or, to like, experiment. giant round sleeves. They're just asking. <laughs> yeah, I for um, faces. I I was picturing my my grandmother's wedding dress that had the. Is this the official term? Leg of mutton sleeves? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yes, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. I just, it seems so, yeah. Um, yeah, that would be perfect. They would look like two pumpkins that you're walking around with. Yeah, I'd be worried <laughs> about the face getting distorted in the intarsia part. Um, I, I mean, okay, that's completely fair. And also it would be <laughs> over the top in a way that, yes. like, yeah. I like it in theory. I wouldn't wear it. Yes. Probably. Well, and that's the thing. Like, at the, like, it's still, it's a Halloween sweater, so obviously there's technically some limitations on when you can wear it. I'm sure I'll just wear no, it whenever. No. Well, I mean, it's me talking, so I'm making this because I know I'll wear it more than that. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm so excited I'm really about excited. It. And the, the whole reason I wanted to share it was that it's just really fun to get something in your wheelhouse that has you this excited, even if it's just, like, sleeve construction from the 1940s. And yeah. also, oh, yeah. it's also really fun to be just making something to make it because you just want a dang pumpkin sweater. That's always a really nice thing. And unfortunately, though, I do know myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I must assume that I'll finish this, decide it's, like, really great, and within a year I'll make a whole bunch of work out of it. And by work, I mean it'll probably end up being a pattern. But not till Halloween 2020. We'll need some joy in our life in October of 2020, right? That's not political. So pumpkin sweater yes. will probably be what it is. But also, oh, you gosh. will have... Please don't... <laughs> I was going to say, why are we even talking we'll about joy. that? <laughs> What'd um, you say? Don't think that we'll need joy? <laughs> no, no, no. Think that we will already be joyful. In October? Except that... Well... It, yeah, I was going to say, it will still be in the thick of it, no yeah. matter what. Um, but, no, but the thing is, you will... You will already oh, have right. October. No, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. Right. See, I'm I'm sleeping. Yeah. yeah see, um. I'm real smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, you'll already have this pumpkin sweater. You will have already had like the thing you made for yourself. Even if it becomes work later, mm-hmm. now it's not work. Right. Totally. So hold on to that. Yeah. And it's going to look so cute. I can already imagine <laughs> it. And I also already know that I want one. Yeah. And I'm going to have to, like, make, uh, like, a fun skirt to go with it and do, like, a cute little witchy photo shoot. Like, how fun is that? Like, I'm not usually excited about, like, the work of looking good in a photo shoot because it's very anxiety-inducing. And Mm. so it's kind of nice to just be excited about the idea of, like, the concept for a shoot for once. You know what I mean? Well, it's also just, like, fun stuff to wear. Yeah. Yeah. And I am all about... Appropriate doesn't usually come into it when I am planning either what to wear or whether or not I should really make a dress out of a specific like pattern on cloth. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's really, really fun to open your closet and be like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm going for it. Yep. Well, and if I like the sweater silhouette enough, I could also very easily just do a couple of different Halloween-themed charts. I could do a skull one and a witch one or one that just says boo. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm just excited about the idea of designing this thing that's just something I just want to exist for me. Yes. It's just nice. Oh, it's so nice. And I often forget that, like, I should do that more. Mm Mm-hmm. I should design, like, because enthusiasm about something 
even if it isn't like the thing that the craft market wants right now, if you are super excited about it, that actually matters more than current craft trends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you can get other people excited about it. Like you're not, you're not just writing copy. You are actually flailing about like Kermit. (laughs) I'm picking up Um, what you're putting down. Yeah. I'm glad you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) The, um, the sweater that I designed this spring, I, I had it in my, I had it in my sketchbook since I got the yarn last summer. And I was like, I want to make this. I want it to look like this. And I changed it a little bit as I started, um, you know, actually swatching and stuff. But, and I was swatching once I realized that I was going to release it and it was going to be work related. But I, I chose that particular design because that was the sweater I wanted. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's nice to be able to have a thing that you, that you just love. And I, I, I mean, people seem to like it as well, but I didn't yeah. really. It didn't matter because I really liked it. Well, so, yeah. actually, talking about the, the best things turn out yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah, like I was talking to um, my therapist actually about like how this sweater happens to feel like this combination of like a high enough level of like knitting technique that I'm excited mm-hmm. about it from that design perspective, but it's also kind of combining like one of my favorite things to do, which is design like the little softies and ornaments just for the hands occupied blog for free. And I was trying Mm -hmm. to figure out like how to bring that joy into more of my design work. And I think that this could, I mean, knock on all the wood and like pray or whatever, but like, I'm kind of hoping that this actually is like a direction I'm going to go in. Like that's exciting to me in a way that hasn't been exciting about some of my design work. In the that's last cool. year oh, and that's or so, so important. Yeah. So I'm feeling good. Feeling good. No, it's it's <laughs> nice to remember why you do this. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. Lord knows we're all underpaid, so you might as well be actually working on what pays your bills and/or is what you want to be making. As much as that's possible. <laughs> I. That is the perfect way to lead into what we're about to talk about. Yes. <laughs> Wait, paying the bills because I'm to do. sure we're not paying the bills. <laughs> Exactly. Well, yeah. So (laughs) we uh, we thought it might be fun to talk about some ways that you can volunteer your crafting or do charity crafting or um, craftivism. If you sometimes uh, is is a description of it. So um, we're going to talk about ways to craft. Not getting paid. Yeah. Exactly. We're going to talk about ways that you can craft and not get paid for it. Which. Is a lot of times just the hobby element, but this is actually beyond that. It's about doing some good with your crafting. And if you yeah. have never, you, if you are a crafter and you're listening to this, and I, I don't want to assume that everyone listening to this is a crafter. Mm-hmm. Maybe we are trying to recruit some new people. You know, Wait, like like one Ed, of us, one of us. Yeah, like Ed um, might start having his friends listen so they can make Star exactly. Trek figures together. <laughs> Exactly. I like so, it. Or, but, or maybe they just like Midwestern voices. That too. Um, but if you are a crafter and you have never done some kind of charity crafting, first of all, I would recommend that you try it, even in just a small way. Mm-hmm. If you have done it, we would love to hear about it 
and you should um, tag us with hashtag Very Serious Crafts to share your um, charity crafting, your volunteer crafting, etc. Mm-hmm. But this came up because I'm getting ready to work on um, kind of some big projects for my church. Um, we have a, a ministry for kids, teens, and adults with special needs, and so I help out with that um, sometimes. And so I'm actually going to be making some large felt banners to hang in the rooms. Oh, and cool. I'm really excited about it because they're going to go along with kind of the theme and what they're talking about. Um, so I'll be doing a lot of felt sewing in the next two weeks. So that's I one really big like project. sewing felt. It's nice. Yeah, it's it's good. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also making some little sewn mats and some little kits for them to do a thing called godly play where you have little it's like toys, simple toys, like Waldorf style, um, mm-hmm. if you aren't familiar with that. It's kind of like Montessori, which if you're not fami- familiar with that, I can't go down that hole. But anyway, um, so it's, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, Google play. it and yeah, then come back. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so it's play to learn about these things from the Bible. So that's my latest thing that I'm working on. Um, but like, there's a whole, like that's a church thing to do. There's a whole world of things that you can craft mm-hmm. for others. I did a, a project with a group of students, and we decorated purses that were then given to refugees on Jordanian Mother's Day. And it was such a cool thing to spend time crafting. And when you do it as a group, it's also yeah, it's so fun to, to like bounce ideas off of each other. And I was working with middle schoolers. It varied in... Uh, skill level. And some of them were like, I don't know if the person who gets this is going to like it. And I was like, you know, they're going to know that it was, it's for Mother's Day. If you gave this to your mom, she'd be happy that you made this for her, you know? So mm-hmm. do your best, but think about it. You're making yep. something for a mom. So yeah, you get into some cool things that way. Um, yeah. So what are some things that you have done in terms of volunteer crafting? Uh, well, I generally volunteer time not items because I don't usually produce duplicates of things right and I also kind of like complicated things yeah so (laughs) it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the kinds of things that I make but um I definitely donate like time and skills and so A couple of years ago, I helped out a friend of mine who owns a terrarium shop do a terrarium workshop with a group of Girl Scouts, um, a very large group of Girl Scouts. (laughs) And that, um, like, it was really, it was really fun and really interesting. And they were... They were on the younger side of Girl Scouts. So you also donated your patients. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> that That is very true. Um, but it was also, like, so fun to see someone. And, and, I mean, making a terrarium can be kind of stressful because kids think that there's there are wrong ways to do it. And they're, mm. I mean, there are some guidelines. But other than that, like, go nuts. Um <laughs> and so it's really it was really fun to teach kids how to how to plant something, how to take care of the thing that they had made and how to personalize it. And it was it's really neat. So I tend to do 
things like that. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, I used to make um, babysitting kits filled with activities and crafts and things like that uh, because I babysat all the time and I would then I would make them for friends also to take along with them. I think this was inspired by the Babysitter's Club books. Mm, I think be, they have a, a kit of some variety. Um, and I was really into those at the time. But um, yeah, I think so, I think that was the era of the like Babysitter's Club babysitting like go bag, but also the Barney bag. I think that was a very like specific moment. Cult. I don't know what a Barney bag is. You're too old, probably. <laughs> that that is almost certainly true. Sorry. I I'm, I did not encounter uh, Barney. It was a little more '90s, but it was like an activity bag, and there was usually crafts in it. And oh, cool. when for gifts for friends, my mom would make. She called them imagination stations, but they we, we, we would explain them basically as like a Barney bag for our friends. Anyway. Tangent. (laughs) No, it's good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, while I just Kool-Aid manned into this conversation, I'll just drop (laughs) in my two cents here. Um, Don't mind me. Oh, Oh, yeah. My favorite charity crafts are. (laughs) Now that I remember. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely am an 80s, 90s hybrid child. Um, Anyway, so... (laughs) Nevertheless, uh, charity crafting. <laughs> um, my favorite crafting charity, because um, I have a personal family connection to it, um, is one called Little Hats Big Hearts. Um, it's gotten, it's been on the Today Show, I think, in the last within the last like two years. Um, yeah, it is run by the American Heart Association, and it began in their Chicago office. Um, so this woman, um, who I got to know personally, named Ann Shulo. Um, she, I think, has now she she has now left the Heart Association for like another big charity job. She's really really cool, and um, she came up with the idea of just you know a charity knitting project. But the idea is specifically to pair newborns born in the month of February, so National Heart Month, as run as like overseen by the American Heart Association. Um, the idea is to get a handmade red hat in the hands of every parent of a newborn born in February. And along with the hat comes... Hey, that's me! Mm -hmm. Along with the hat comes um, an information packet um, with some educational um, information about signs of congenital heart defects. Um, Hmm. So a very, like, congenital heart defects, um, especially if they go undiagnosed, you can become, you can even be an adult and not know you have one of these conditions and um, quite literally drop dead because you didn't know and you didn't know you needed to get tested. Um, And without going into too much detail, um, that happened to a cousin of mine. She had an undiagnosed heart defect and passed away uh, because she had a heart attack and there wasn't a defibrillator at the facility she was at and she was... um, she passed away immediately. She was 18. And so when I first read about this project, I reached out to Anne and was like, hey, I have a knitting blog. Is it cool if I do like a free pattern and use it as a way to like talk about this charity? Um, and she was like, oh, yeah, totally. Um, and so I put out about a pattern a year for a few years. And they're, they're my most popular patterns on the blog. Um, and a lot of people reach out with personal stories because mm-hmm. of like their own connection to the charity um, there's a lot of mothers of children who have passed away. Um, usually they're of babies, but they've reached out and I've had some really deep personal connections because of sharing the story of losing my cousin. 
And um, so all that to say is charity crafting can really make a big impact, even as a healing tool, if you're someone who's lost someone. Like, being able to use my blog platform, especially when it was, like, bigger than it is now. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, it was just nice to actually be able to use this thing where I'm, like, plugging a craft supply company for a sponsorship for years. It's nice to actually use that to give back. And also, this the other thing about Little Hats Big Hearts is that it objectively can save lives because of raising, yeah, yeah. raising awareness about how to know if your baby's in distress. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. That is do cool. charity crafting it. and also um little hats big hearts is one that's gone so viral since it started a few years ago that there's um there's like chapters there's like groups of people who are um the the point person for receiving donations there's there's one in i think almost every state now um yeah but if you yeah, that makes sense but if you go i think i wrote about that at some point on craft yeah if you go to littlehatsbighearts.org um that will take you to all of the information you need for making and donating mm-hmm. hats so very cool yeah i like I, I like charity crafting yeah i i aspire to one day when i quote unquote retire <laughs> um to do bulk crafting for these kinds of projects you're gonna be you're gonna be the lady in the newspaper that they're like local woman yes exactly <laughs> i want to be local woman um. <laughs> you know I, since you were talking about that heidi it made me think i was born a um, i was born two months early mm-hmm. and in the 80s which is a very different Thing than being born two months early now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like there weren't clothes or hats or anything to fit me. Mm-hmm. I, I wore a sandwich bag, like no joke, a sandwich bag oh. to keep my body heat in. Um, and uh, in the incubator, apparently, I wasn't pleased. Um, <laughs> but I haven't been pleased. I was gonna say it's for cranky baby Haley. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Cranky Baby Haley definitely existed. My mom said that was, like, the first thing I did in the world was give her the look. So, um, oh, Patty. But anyway, so I know that there are definitely people who donate hats for preemies and micro preemies, and that's a pretty quick project. So I think, uh, Heidi, you have inspired me. I think I'm going to look into maybe doing some of that mm-hmm. since... I was born super early, and I've got that personal connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and another cool thing about the um, Little Hats Big Heart program is that they prioritize getting hat. They prioritize getting hats to preemies first because preemies are also more likely to have heart defects. Yes, sure. So yeah, Yeah. it's pretty rad. And a preemie hat, um, if you want a rule of thumb for just winging a hat with scraps, size of an apple is where you start, or your fist if you know it's a micro preemie. Yeah. All wow. right. Um, well, if anybody out there has like charities that they know of that I should be aware of, do let me know. Yeah, and I'll put a yeah. list. We can have a list in the show notes too. Yeah, and I yeah. think um, you know, we'll. I think we should get a, a post up on social media dedicated to this idea as well, so that everyone can maybe share totally. um, share your favorite uh, charity craft uh, organization that you work with and. Then people can use that to find places that they might share things too. 
Totally. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And actually, this episode's coming out at the perfect time because usually the Little Hats Big Hearts donation window is like August to um, end of the year. So then they can launder them and prepare them and package them and stuff by February. Great. Oh, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Love Anne. Huge shout out to Anne Shulo. I don't know if she gets enough credit. It was her idea personally, and she's lovely, and she works at the Heart Association because she has a connection to someone similarly to mine, and she's just like a really, really rad lady. That's cool. Yay! Yeah. Anyway, so on that, like, mostly, like, optimistic note, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's all we've got for everybody today. On that enthusiastic giving note. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, but before, before we officially sign off, we want to give a shout out not just to Anne, but also to some serious <laughs> friends of the Very Serious Crafts podcast who are supporting us at patreon.com slash serious crafts. Many thanks to Carissa and Victoria. We appreciate you. Thank um, you. And if you thank you, if you are a person like Carissa and Victoria who like to and you like to hang out on the internet, you should hang out with us more often. Find us on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> at at Serious Crafts and on Facebook at Very Serious Crafts. You can also find show notes and all things Very Serious Crafts at VerySeriousCrafts.com. Of course. <laughs> Uh, Want to join in the conversation? Yes, you do. Especially all these great things we've been talking about. Tag us using hashtag very serious crafts. And if you're using Instagram stories, don't forget to tag us with at serious crafts so that we can reshare your stories. Are you a fan of the very serious crafts podcast? Of yeah, course you are. You are. Great. <laughs> pretty, 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 please leave the Very Serious Crafts podcast a five-star rating on whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts because good ratings help us show up in recommendations. That means more people who love crafting can find us. And finally, if you would like to sponsor an episode of the Very Serious Crafts podcast, visit VerySeriousCrafts.com and click sponsor or support us at Patreon.com slash Serious Crafts. Thanks. Uh-huh. Yay! Bye! Bye!